This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Lisbeth Tans on the line. Hey, Lisbeth, how are you doing? I am doing great. Awesome. Great to have you. We met at the New Media Summit Conference back in February 2019 down in Tampa. And yeah, I'm not going to go into great details about this event, but it, it's a pretty amazing event. And you meet some incredible human beings at this thing. And that's it's the one conference that's different than so many others where you'll go to a conference and you're going there to see the speakers and the people that are talking. But at this particular event, you end up having more connections with the people that are sitting in the audience than you do with the people that are up on the stage. And it's just an absolutely amazing event that I've had the fortune to be able to go to on a few occasions. So I'm guessing you found the same experience when you attended. I did. I did. I liked the fact that it was also very small because I've been to some events where there were thousands of people and you have no hope of meeting the person on stage or the people on stage, much less a lot of the people in attendance, and that was not the case. Um, it was a very warm and fuzzy event in a, in a good way, and I'm glad it was the first event that I've, I hadn't attended events for years, and so that was kind of my entree in, and it felt like a soft landing for me. That's awesome. I'll I'll pass that information on to the the host because that made, you know, it makes for a great event. So beautiful segue from you said fuzzy to you are the founder of Fuzzy Dog, which is a professional ghostwriting and editing company for books in the nonfiction category. So what prompted you to, you know, get into that world of of editing books and, and ghostwriting? It was, it was really a progression when I started my first business, The Hired Pen, back in 2005. I was writing content, writing websites, working on books, and over the years I got uh, a little bit disillusioned. Uh, being a solopreneur, Ken, you wear a lot of hats, and I felt like I was constantly marketing and wasn't really honing in where my where the gold for me was. And after doing that for several years, I finally decided I'm, I'm done being a solopreneur and I started looking for a job. And uh, there is a lot of other s- stuff in there, but suffice it to say, I, I had a big wake up call and did a lot of evaluation. And I knew that I couldn't work in a cubicle. I knew I couldn't go back to working for someone else. So I, I dove deep to understand what it was that I really loved about my business. And what I loved was working on books, working with authors or potential authors, and helping them find the words that they needed to help write a book that would further their business, leave a legacy, um, create uh, a media storm. So that was, that was really where Fuzzy Dog came from. Well, that's an awesome backstory. And I, I, I'm with you on the once you taste being your own boss, um, going back and working for somebody else is a very, very challenging exercise because you lose the, the control of how you do things. And even the most flexible of organizations, there's still structures and systems in place yes. that may not be in alignment with how 
you work or want to work and there's that whole nine to five thing and everything else in it and the commute and you know the not so good coffee in the office and <laughs> and you know the the you know the drama and the you know gossip and all the other things that you find in organizations and it, you end up going mm, you know I don't have time for this I, I would much rather be being productive and working on some things. So mm -hmm. I, I, I am thankful that you had that awareness that, that you realized, yeah, cube, you know, the cube farm thing is not for me. I know. And uh, for many, many people it isn't. And I think that's why we're seeing so many people looking at different things to uh, escape that type of work environment, which corporations need to take notice of that because at the end of the day, uh, there needs to be a shift in how work is done. And I think yes. we're, we're in the very, very early days of what that looks like. Uh, it's going to be an interesting next couple decades for sure with all the other facets of society changing and whatnot. So, so you, you edit books and, and, and you ghostwrite. Now, I'm not going to make an assumption that people know what ghostwriting means. Uh, I know what it means, but a lot of people may you go, what's, what's ghostwriting? You know, is it like ghosting and dating where, you know, you, you're going to write something and then you just get ghosted and then there's no writing. No, that's not. Right. It. No. No, no, no. So, you know, so share with uh, what, you know, what ghostwriting is all about and, and, sure. and, and how you got into that. Okay. So ghostwriting today means a lot of different things. It used to be, years ago, the ghostwriting really meant ghostwriting books. And today, I think a lot of content writers will say, well, I'm a ghostwriter. Uh, it's fine. Um, for me, it is still really pertaining to books. And ghostwriters have been around forever. Even Shakespeare, it's said, was uh, had a ghostwriter. And he didn't really write all of those beautiful things that we, we uh, account to him. So Ghostwriting really is working one-on-one -on -one with an author or co-authors, however many there are, to pull out of them whatever story it is that they want to have written, and then doing the writing for them in their voice. And that's usually the sticking point for a lot of people, is most people can, can write for other people, but they don't necessarily write in their voice. So if you're writing content, you may not need to worry about that, but when you're writing a book where someone is using the word I, in the book, you have to sound like them. And for me, that's always been a, a pretty simple task. I don't know why, I think because when I was little, I wanted to be an actress. That never happened, but this is about as close as I can get to playing the role of someone else, and it's great fun. So how I got into this really was by chance. Uh, I had my first experience back in 2002, and when right after I had, had quit corporate America, and it was a lot of fun. I didn't write the whole thing. I just rewrote pieces of it, so I was probably more of an editor. But that was really what sparked my desire in 2005 to start a writing business, because I'd always wanted to be a writer. I veered off into market research and into sales for many years, and it was time for me to get back to what I wanted to do and be able to do it on my terms. That was the key, because for me, Freedom and independence and change and variety are kind of my, my watchwords. So back to the cube. I couldn't go back to a cube because I'd lose my freedom. And so when I began the Hired Pen, the first business, I actually was a ghostwriter for a lot of advertisers in an editorial newspaper. So 
even I use the word ghostwriter, but I was writing their articles for them in their voice. And that's what started me thinking, you know, I could probably do this for books, but a book is a much bigger project. And then in 2007, I was given the, the opportunity to, uh, to edit a thousand page textbook in the coaching industry. Um, I also went to coach you, so I, I have, I'm not certified, I would never say that, but I have all the, the education behind it. And that was great fun and a big challenge, and I loved it. So you might be saying, well, gee, 2007, why didn't you jump into it then? I had a lot of other stuff going on in my life, and it just wasn't the right time. And honestly, it didn't occur to me because I was so stuck in the writing websites and writing resumes and writing content and doing all these other things that it just didn't occur to me until about 2011 when someone else found me. And, and uh, I worked on other books in between. But in 2011, I had someone come to me uh, who wanted to write a book that he wanted to write, uh, but he needed an editor to help him get it done. And his story touched me so deeply because in 1981, he developed, uh, he contracted HIV. And in 1995, he almost died. Instead of dying, he lived and went on to speak to high school students and young adults about AIDS, how it's caused, what it can do to your life if you contract it. And that even today, there's still no cure. There are some great drugs today. And he and I became friends. And that's when I realized the amount of the impact that I could have behind the scenes to help somebody get their story done. And that's really when I began looking for more book projects and they started coming my way. I was still doing all the other stuff. And, uh, and, and, and then some, something happened and things dried up. I had terrible marketing. That was really the key. Uh, and, and that was at the point back at the start of, of the show when I started, when I said I was looking for a job, I just felt like I was despondent. I was depressed. I just felt like a failure. And, uh, and there was actually a gift in the fact that my dog died, Katie. That's where the name Fuzzy Dog comes from. When she died, it was a shock because it was sudden and unexpected, which is of course what sudden means. Um, and, and, the loss of her was really what made me stand back and go, oh my gosh, I, life is too short for me to sit here and be sitting in my own stuff. Come on, Liz, what is it that you really want to do? And so that's really the full story. But I owe it to Don, who wrote My Dream to Trample AIDS, for really awakening that true desire in me to help people get get their words out. No, that's a beautiful story. And I think that's one of the books are so powerful. And mm -hmm. I've been a reader for most of my life. I mean, I started reading, my parents told me I was able to read at three which, you know, before I was in school. And, you know, they tell a story about a cousin of mine older that didn't believe it. So he grabbed a newspaper and said, read this. And I read it and he's like oh. looking, looking at me going, how do you know how to do that? And I don't, I don't know, but I, I, well, I know what I did. You know, my parents were reading to me when I was a baby and all through. So I just picked up on it and was able to put you know, words together and could figure out how to read things. Um, so 
I've always enjoyed reading. I always enjoy reading books and stories that connect with you where you are in this, you, you get pulled in, you know, mm-hmm. and now that could be in a leadership book. It could be in, you know, a fiction book. It could be in, you know, a, a biography or autobiography or anything like that. When it, when it grabs you and it pulls you there as if you were there in the moment, it, it, there's, there's nothing like that. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and people have stories that need to be shared. And oftentimes they, they stop with the, yeah, I don't have time. I don't want to do, I don't, I, I, I want to get this book out, but I don't have time. And it's like, well, you know, there's, there's ways to get your story out there and have it come from you, but utilizing the expertise of, of people like yourself that can help flush it out and get that story to print. And, and, and on the editing thing too, again, going back to, you know, what we talked off or talked about earlier, it might've been on the pre-show, I don't recall. Uh, but we are talking about, you know, editing and how so many people that do want to write a book, they end up writing the whole thing. They didn't, they don't get any input from anyone and it hasn't been edited. And then they drop it off at your doorstep and say, here, do do some light light edits so it's you know in book format, and then I'm gonna get it on Amazon tomorrow. And you know, I'm sure you've seen more than you know a few dozen of those stories. So yes. you know what you know what, what's what's some hits and tips, and you know if you want, you can share a horror story. You know, protect the guilty, of course, but of course. Um, but you know the, what you know what you've encountered when situations like that happen, and and some advice to people that again want to write a book. Um, but in, and the best way to go about it. I'm happy to share that because the more people that understand how a book is put together and what they need to be thinking about as they're writing it makes uh, every editor's job a lot easier. So yes, I have had people come to me with completed manuscripts that, that were overwritten, uh, which means that they used too many words to describe what it is that they're talking about. Uh, sometimes that's good, but in, in a business book, in a nonfiction book, that can lose readers. I've also had people come with books that are written, they're memoirs, and, but they're written from a very angry stance. Again, you can be angry, and that's great, but you've just written a book for you. You have not written a book for your readers. So being aware of the emotions that you're trying to convey, especially if it's a memoir, or even within the stories that you tell in your book, be aware of that because not everyone may may be able to channel that same emotion and you want to reach as many readers as possible. And that's truly the, the best advice is, is try to put yourself in the shoes of your reader. So the, which is what I do when, when someone comes to me with a manuscript that they want me to edit, I read their manuscript as a reader and make notes as to what did it capture me? Did it, did it keep my attention? Did I understand everything? Did it flow? Does it feel like a book that, that, that other people would want to read? Uh, even if it's outside of an industry that I'm, I'm unfamiliar with, does it capture everybody? Does it capture my interest? I may not be your ideal reader, but you still need to capture my interest because not everyone's going to be an ideal reader that's going to pick up the book. So those would really be some of the, the key things that I think, but the biggest one is don't work alone. And what I mean by that is have somebody on your team that you trust 
it doesn't have to be someone that knows English very well or whatever your language is. Um, it doesn't need to be somebody who's a grammarian. Uh, it probably shouldn't be a family member, but somebody who will give you honest feedback as you are writing. Because friends, really good friends uh, and family can often say things that you either want to hear or don't want to hear, such as, this book is great. It should sell a million, a million copies. Or, this book really sucks. You're a terrible writer. Why do you think you can do this? And trust me, people have said this to, to some of my authors. And I feel bad because it's, it's never a, a true representation of what their manuscript is. But if you can find a mentor, someone that you trust that isn't friends or family, that's a great start. A good place to start, really, is finding an editor that you feel like you can work with and trust that will give you an honest assessment of your idea, how, what you may have written thus far, and what it's going to take to get your book completed. Those are the things that you really want to, want to be able to figure out before you start writing a ton of words and figure out if your idea is a good one. Just because an idea might have been written about a lot. Time management, great example. There are, go to Amazon and look up time management and you're gonna have a whole bunch of books to choose from. What makes your book different if you're writing about time management is your perspective and the stories of your clients or your personal stories and the way you put it together. So don't be discouraged if you, if you look and there are lots of books in your category. How are you different? What makes your words believable to someone who's interested in your topic? I just don't want people to think that just because something's been written, it's already been done. Because, I mean, come on, look at movies. How many movies are being rehashed that have been done before and they're doing them again? I find it a little nuts sometimes, as if there are no new ideas. But every time they redo a movie, they do it a little differently. They bring up something a little different that maybe the people that did it the first time never would have thought of. Yeah, the movie analogy is a great one where you know you see a reboot of. Well, you can look at you know this. I've I've seen uh, online and on Instagram. You know the movies that are out right now you know toy story men in black um aladdin um you know lion king's coming soon and i'm like okay welcome back to the 1990s and but yeah. you know here we are in 2019 so it it happens and i i love how you talk about you know people will say well you know this book's already been written and it's like okay yeah maybe the subject that you're talking about has mm -hmm. been written about before, but it hasn't been written from your perspective. And that's what differentiates every book is it's written from a perspective of somebody else from their experiences, mm -hmm. their, their lives, you know, what they've seen, the environments that they've worked in and, and lived in to see where things are, you know, like my, you know, with my most recent book that I co-authored with uh, Dr. Battisil, you know, when, mm -hmm. when you go into a bookstore um, in, in Toronto, Ontario, and you didn't realize that, you know, that the you know, bookstore had ordered your book and you're in the, le and you're in the leadership section, because uh, th that's books that I like to read uh, uh -huh. amongst others, and you're going around and all of a sudden out of the corner of your eye, you see your book. And at first, 
it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I've got copies of it around the house and everything like that. So I see it, you know, it's, it's, it's almost background noise. But you look at it and all of a sudden your brain kind of like taps you on the shoulder and goes, you might want to take a look at that again. And you look and you go, wow, they actually ordered it to have in store. That's didn't, interesting. Didn't you, That's didn't interesting. You did yeah. you post that on Facebook? Yeah, yeah I did because it was a complete shock to me. Now, my first book, I knew that they were going to do it because they told me they were going to do it, and um, I was thankful that they were able to do it. So it was you know, a surreal moment for there, but I expected it to be there. Um, this one, you know, the book came out in January, and you know, I didn't think much of it. I know that it was available online on Amazon and uh, and you know, in, in Canada, Indigo and chapters and, and whatnot. So didn't think really much of it. And, you know, and then here we are, you know, a few months later and I, I glance over and, you know, in the new and noteworthy section or, you know, thought leaders section. And I just look and I see, you know, the, the book cover with the lightning bolt. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I took a, <laughs> so I took a picture of it and, and sent it to Tarlene and said, um, do you know anything about this? <laughs> <laughs> which I which I know she didn't because I I handled the you know dealing with the you know, the book printing and you know the the getting the artwork in the right format and and all that kind of stuff so I handled that aspect of things um, she she handled the editing um, aspect of it and all of that good stuff and the website and that so we kind of divvied up uh, the to do list and she's like you know expletive no <laughs> and she was uh, you know absolutely you know stoked about it and then I saw it in another you know another location I said up oh, it's here too and so I'm very I'm very thankful <laughs> to um, to the team at indigo for for carrying it and um, and for everybody on Amazon that you know that bought it at the beginning of the year and you know, it was nice to hit number one day one, and which is which is no small feat, especially because we didn't we didn't overly market it. You know, and I, mm -hmm. I blame I blame the um, reformed accountant that I am because uh, I always made fun of the marketing people, and I'm kind of <laughs> kicking myself on that now. I should have paid more attention back then, but it, it, yeah, never too late Killer. to learn. Yeah, exactly. But you know, that whole the whole journey of 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 writing a book, whether you know you're uh, you know, in the two books that I did, you know, my, the first one was pretty much me and then worked with an editor to get it uh, tidied up a little bit. And, you know, so it was uh, able to be released and, and all that good stuff. But the second one was much like the, the process that you described where here's a chapter, here's a section, what about this? And we had several people look at it outside of, you know, friends and family, just, you know, colleagues and colleagues of colleagues. It's like, how does this resonate? And they're like, this is spot on, this is it. And then, you know, the whole editing process, if I, if I could put the two dot, you know, the, the original and the after the edit um, component together, they are different books. Um, the content is the same, but mm -hmm. again, with, with Dr. Battisil being a PhD, it tended to go in a particular direction. Okay. And you know, the editor, um, thankfully went, let's bring this back to, um, someone that, you know, decided to stop their education around the sixth grade. Okay. Yeah. Maybe eighth yeah. grade. 
because it was it was it was re now I was able to read it and I'm reading and I'm like oh yeah this is good content but um, it it needed um, it needed a little bit more commonality as far as the audience was concerned again of course you know the audience is is geared for um, organizations and people that are in you know the, the workplace and culture and whatnot uh, but it was definitely one of those exercises where it made the book better. Yes. And, and you brought up a really good point about how you write. Uh, I see a lot of different types of writing in my business. And the best advice I can, I can tell people is write like Ken Blanchard, not like Peter Drucker. And if you've ever read Ken Blanchard's books, they are written at a sixth grade or lower um, age level because they're easy to digest. Versus Peter Drucker, who was a true management thought leader, but he writes very highbrow. It's, it's, it's a, for me, it's a slog to get through, even when I was interested in what he was writing. And nobody today really wants to publish a book that nobody wants to read. That's not the point. You know, if you're, I mean, if you're only writing a book to say, I'm a published author, then go ahead, do whatever you want. But if you want your book to impact your business, get you noticed in the media, uh, get you more clients, get more speaking gigs or develop a speaking career, then your book has to be something people want to read that they will derive new knowledge from that has them go, hmm, didn't know that. So that is how I look at every book that I, that I read. It's got, and I need to understand what's the motivation behind writing this book. And I will tell you that a lot of people don't think about that. And it's kind of the key reason for writing the book. It's not just, oh, I'm going to write a book because I was told. If that's your only reason for writing a book, then I would suggest go do something different because your heart's not going to be in it. Yeah, that's crucial. And the thing of it is, too, I, I like telling people with anything, not just writing a book, but anything that they're developing for someone to consume, you know, whether it's podcasts or a blog post or a song or anything like that. It's like, what's your, what's your call to action? What do you want that audience member to do after they've consumed what you've created? Yes. There's, there's got, there's got to be something because if, if it's just there, here's, here's some information. Awesome. Thanks. And <laughs> then it's just, uh, okay. We, we call those newspapers, you know? Oh, great. Okay. All right. Yeah. Boston beat Detroit four to two last night. Okay. There's really no call to action unless you're a Detroit fan. You're not happy. If you're a Boston fan, you're happy. And other than that, that's it. Um, but a book, especially in the time that it takes to really put together a book, um, is there's a lot of work involved. And now, uh, some yes. books some books take longer. Some books are shorter um, intensity and you know focus time and all of that stuff to get the content together. Uh, but Again, if, you're, if you don't have some type of marching orders that you want your reader to do after they've read this book, then mm -hmm. like you said, find another medium. Save yourself a whole lot of time. Maybe instead of writing a book, write blog posts. And then, quite frankly, 
and I know some people do this, you know, they'll go back through, you know, their posts over, you know, a few years, not, you know, a couple of weeks, but you know, <laughs> a, f- a few years, they can curate some of that content and take it and start formulating it into a book format because blog to book, everybody says, Oh, you can convert your blog into a book. Well, all it's going to be is a book of blog posts. Right. At that, no, it's, it, it's like, you know, you, you have ingredients to cook a meal, depending on how you shape it is going to depend on what the outcome is going to be. Is it going to be, you know, a pasta? Is it going to be a bowl? Is it going to be a soup? Is it you know, all of these things? They, they all vary on what you do in the meantime. It's, you can't say, well, this is just going to be this. It's like, no, yes. it, it, you, you, it, everyone's going to read into that and go, oh, wow, I just paid $9.99 for his blog post, which I can consume for free. Uh-oh, I don't feel good about that. One star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you get the one-star reviews. And, you know, like, oh, great. You know, maybe I'll yes. put a little bit more time into that one next time. That was actually how I ghost wrote a book for a client. I had been writing for him for about 10 years. And... I approached him with the idea of taking these articles and combining them into a book that then he could give out to his, his patients or his clients. He's a pharmacist, but he really was big in the perimenopause space and truly wanted to help women who were suffering because, and didn't know why and their doctors weren't telling them why. And so over the course of 10 years, I learned a whole lot about perimenopause and was able to take all of those articles, I rewrote everything and created transitions. We also added in some of the test results from some of his patients that, uh, that would allow him to do that and ended up writing um, the book, uh, Fog, Sweat, and Tears of Perimenopause. So it is totally doable, but you have to remember that blog posts are in and of themselves or articles are one-off things. If they don't tie together then you're exactly right. They're just a bunch of blog posts or articles that somebody slapped into a book and that's not helpful. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't have a flow to it. Even, even if you're really good at writing the blog post and there are connections between what you talked about, then you've got some rhythm and a flow. But mm-hmm. again, it, it's a, a a blog post is supposed to be a, a quick, you know, relatively short read for someone to read something, call to action, some information they can use to make their lives better, and then they go with it. A book, same thing. It could be a series of 30 things that you, or, or 20 or whatever number it happens to be. Mm-hmm. But it's got to flow and connect so it looks like you're reading one book and not 30. Or, you know, it's, and, and, and I see some books a lot of times too, that are written by, you know, they'll, they'll get a bunch of thought leaders in a particular subject matter and they'll all contribute something to it. But the one, the books that work well in that format that I found is, you know, the author or whoever, you know, the person is, that's kind of putting this together, you know, has, you know, good editing in there. So it flows, even though it says, okay, Dan Cathy of Chick-fil-A, you know, feels on this subject, this John Mm -hmm. Mack, John Maxwell says this Grant Cardone says this Tony Robbins is jumping up and down and says this. (laughs) And, you know, know, 
Tony's great. I, I, but he, he, he's an energetic, very, very tall human being. So, um, <laughs> like, it's like, I'm surprised the earth doesn't move when you do that just because of, you know, the size of you. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, it, 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 it boils down to the good books that people really like and resonate and pass on or recommend or give five star ratings, whatever the case may be are ones where it keeps the audience engaged. It gets them thinking there's a call to action for something to do. And those are the books that when you're writing and you're working with an editor or a ghostwriter, you want to you know, have those pause points as you're writing going, okay, what am I asking the audience or the reader to do here? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're not asking them to do something, you're going, hmm, okay, w- what purpose does this particular paragraph or chapter have then if I'm not asking them to do something? Right. It, it, I, and I do agree with you. Every book that I work on doesn't necessarily have a call to action per se, if, especially if it's, a, if it's kind of a how-to book. I mean, then the whole book is, is a call to action. It's, it's how to, I, because I work in the personal growth, transformation, self-growth industry primarily, those books tend to be all about growth and change and becoming a better person or learning how to do things differently or think differently. Um, and I, I, I actually a little bit disagree with what you're saying. I don't like it when, when authors put in the middle of their book, go visit my website to get this and this and this. It's like, okay, now we've just taken people out of your book and out of the flow and they're going to go to your website. Are they going to pick your book up again? Maybe, maybe not. I don't like interrupting the flow of a, of a process. So front of the book, back of the book. Yeah, absolutely. Tell them everything that you want to know and give them things for them to do that they can go get off your website. That's fantastic. But don't interrupt it. Don't don't. I don't like when when you know people are going other places to to do stuff when really what the author wants them to do is continue reading their book. So yeah, I agree with my you. Pet, on my pet peeve. No, no, I agree with you on that, and I I, I see that you know where it'll it'll have people point to that, and I've seen some books where it's like, well, go online and do this assessment, like Strength Finders, for example. You know, when you read that mm-hmm. book. It's constantly telling you to do that, and it, it, it's a funny book because I, I, I feel, at least from my perspective on that book, was it's better for you to read the book, then go do the assessment. Now, some people say, no, you should do the assessment first, and then that, and then I said, well, let's meet halfway. Give people the opportunity to do two of them. Because you might, you know, your answer shouldn't sway. Your strengths are your strengths. But mm-hmm. for me, I, I think it, you know, it helps when you um, have an understanding of something. And I, I just read a, uh, a book from Ruth Sukup. And, you know, they talk about the different types of uh, traits and things like that. And the first chapter um, talked about procrastinators. And I'm thinking, this has nothing to do with me. I don't procrastinate. I go and I do things. I get things done. After I read the chapter, I went, oh, crap. I'm a procrastinator. And, I, and, and, and she's laughing when I'm talking to her about it because, like, what? no. I, I'm, but I know I am. I'm, I'm self-admitting that I am uh, because there's certain things that we just know. So, again, it's, you capture the reader's attention you, you get them in, you want to keep them there because 
you know, the longer a book goes, you know, the less likelihood people will finish it. And so you want to make sure that content is, you know, getting them what they need and, you know, they'll, they'll stick around if it's a longer book. If you're, if you're enticing them to stay with, you know, nuggets of information that's going to make them better or entertain them, whatever the case may be. Exactly. Exactly. And, and length of book really, other than from a publishing standpoint, for example, Amazon insists that you must have a book of a, I think it's 114 pages in order to have a spine. Otherwise it's going to look like a pamphlet. Um, so you don't want that, but otherwise, as long as you are imparting the information the reader needs, don't worry about the length of your book. That said, most books are between 30 to 60,000 words. That sounds like a lot of words. 30,000 is at the lower end because we do have a shorter attention span these days. You know, we get our news and sound bites, we tweet. People don't necessarily sit down and read a book. I'm still one of the weirdos that likes to read a real book, uh, you know, and hold it in my hand and feel the paper. But it really doesn't matter as long as you're, you know, whatever you prefer, but think about the content you want to impart. Don't be flowery with your writing and you'll be able to get it out into the marketplace a little bit quicker. Yeah. And that's, that's crucial is, you know, don't, don't write fluff. It's like, okay, I need another 20 pages to get to that 114. Yeah. Well then I think what you should do at that point is take a step back and look what you have and go, do I have a, a book that could surpass that number mm -hmm. and actually have content that's meaningful? Cause you don't want to just add a bunch of fluff to it. And there's, there's one book. Um, it was the, um, the Steve Jobs book. Um, and that's ah. a really, really big book. But my biggest complaint about that book, and I, you know, I love hearing the backstory of, of Steve and all of his, all of his uh, nuances and everything. The end of it, the end of the book felt rushed. Now I know he was writing it just as he was about to pass away. So I understand that component too. But the end of it felt like it was just, it was forced for me and mm -hmm. I'm not trying, I don't, I don't tend to try to critique writing or, or authors or anything like that because it's, you know, it's, it gave insights to that most of us didn't have. Mm -hmm. uh, about it was a Steve. good book. I read that one too. Yeah. But I, I, I felt like at the end of it, it was, um, it just, the end of it felt rushed. I'm like, no, no, maybe it was the case. Maybe my own, it was my own, you know, interpretation of it where I was wanting more maybe and i think that might be it i you know, when i read it again i'll 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 give it another um another view and go hmm maybe i was off on that one but that was just one of those examples of you know did it need to be in there because if it felt rushed and it didn't feel like it felt like part of the book then maybe it should have been removed it wouldn't have made a big difference because it was a big book anyway so it uh, wasn't the, the spine was not a problem on that one <laughs> You know, you, you don't want your ending to feel like it's falling off a cliff. Um, and sometimes, and I, I didn't get that impression from the Steve Jobs book. I did clearly not want it to end because I found the, the topic so fascinating. But in, in, when, when, when someone is writing their book, you really do need to consider how am I going to transition from all of this information to 
the end when my flow of information will stop. And now it's the reader's turn to do whatever it is I want them to do or I'm going to ask them to do or think about. So be mindful of that because readers do pick up on that. Even if you didn't intend to have your story fall off a cliff, if it does, that will impact what people think of the book. That will impact ratings on Amazon. And it, it could impact your ability to market the book in a way that will serve you. So the, uh, the other book, I don't know if you read it, it was called Bad Blood. And I cannot remember the guy who wrote it. He is a writer for the New York Times. It was about the Theranos debacle. Mm. And that was a, that was, that, you, you probably would enjoy it. It was, uh, it was, here's a book written by a reporter and written in such easy language. It took me about three hours to read a book, this book. It was also very fascinating and horrifying that people could treat each other the way she, the woman that ran it, treated people. Um, but it's, it's different than the Steve Jobs book. It's written in a completely different way. The Steve Jobs book used much bigger words uh, and is, of course, a much thicker book. So another piece of advice is read. Read books. If you want to write a book, you have to be able to read books. And if reading is not your thing, you have to be able to listen to books because you will improve as a writer if you read because you'll hear something, turn a phrase, a word you didn't know, um, ways of putting a book together that you might not think about if you're not putting yourself out there and, and immersing yourself in the world of books. Even reading your competition's books to understand what it is that they're, how are they phrasing things? How are they communicating their ideas? But also going into different industries and reading books there because you may find a nugget of inspiration in something like gardening that you may not get if you stay immersed in what it is that you like. And I also encourage people to read fiction because while it's different than nonfiction, it also puts your brain in a different place. And I do believe it helps charge up the imagination. And that is a great thing to bring back to your nonfiction writing uh, endeavors. No, this is all amazing advice and following it will, you know, I don't want to say guarantee a much better book, but it certainly won't hurt. That's for yes. sure. Yes. So, loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and all the awesome stuff you're doing? Well, I have a website, uh, fuzzydogllc.com. The LLC is kind of important. Otherwise you go to a, I think it's a pet store in Rhode Island. Um, so fuzzydogllc.com. And I am on social media under my name, but I'm also uh, more likely you'll find me under Fuzzy Dog or Fuzzy Dog LLC on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Feel free to, to look me up, ask me questions. I am uh, pretty approachable. And uh, you might, if we do a video chat, you'll see my cats. I have three of them and they're usually in the video. I kicked them out for this. That's awesome. And I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So well, it's great to talk to you again. Uh, Michael, love, thank you. Love the work that you're doing and you know, getting people's stories out there. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, have fun talking with you. Hopefully Likewise. we can do this again on, on my podcast. Definitely. Likewise. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. 
I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.